What's going on, everybody? Welcome back again to the Passing Downs Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul, and I'm here with my co-host, PD. PD, say what's up. What's up? All right, and today we're going to be continuing the series uh, that we've been doing for the last couple of episodes, probably five or six at this point. Uh, if you haven't checked any of those out, go ahead and check those out. Uh, we're going to be going from our the worst QB rooms in the league and working our way up to the best quarterback rooms in the league. We're still kind of towards the lower end right now, and today we're going to be going into the Titans quarterback room. Uh, then this is a pretty loaded quarterback room. Most most of these rooms we don't have three guys to talk about, so that's why we have a full episode dedicated to this one here. Uh, and with that being said, PD, you wanna should we jump right into Ryan Tannehill's season last season? Yeah, let's jump right in. So. Um, just like we did last episode, um, just do like a pr- uh, quick breakdown of, of Tannehill's game, uh, what he's looked like we'll in the past you. and what happened last year. Um, so last year, or let me just like go through like a brief overview, overview of Tannehill. So he was a miscast type of quarterback when he was in Miami. Um, just really his strengths are working off of play action because he's not the quickest processor in the world. Um, and as I'll talk about, that did kind of change last year. Um, he he's really really got a powerful arm in terms of velocity, driving the ball in the middle of the field, and he's willing to use his size to throw over the line of scrimmage and take hits. And he's able to really work the ball into tight windows. His accuracy can be uh, elite from season to season. Um, this season, quite not quite as much, but he can go on tears of of really really sharp accuracy um, because he is that kind of powerful throw over the football. Um, and he does hit the bullseye quite often. So um, in terms of what happened this year, um, as kind of a continuation of the decay of the sporting cast that we saw last year with the injury to A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, just really disappointing. Uh, This year, A.J. Brown was traded altogether, so even that that shorter stint wasn't available. And the wide receiver won and and beyond were just really poor. Robert Woods, Traylon Burks. Um, just really not being able to offer impact. And then beyond that, it's like Nick Westbrook, Akine, who is probably a wide receiver five type on, on a good team. Um, and Chigo Conquo, who's just a, just like a, like a strong efficiency type of player um, as a rookie, but not really capable of supporting volume. Um, and the offensive line continued to decay um, from its initial high point in 2019 and 2020. Um just really poor play at almost every spot. Honestly, you could make a pretty strong case that the Titans have one of the worst offensive lines um, and receiving rooms in the league. Um, they they do attempt to make up for it with Derrick Henry, but um, I've kind of talked about issues with efficiency in the past and um, the fact that they have to lean on um, the run game so much because of the lack of support in the passing game um, just leads to their offense declining as a whole. Um, n- nothing, nothing wrong with Derrick Henry, but um, that's just kind of the the problem with the style of offense that they have to play because of their supporting cast. Um, and then th- talking about some of the uh, improvements that I referenced a little bit with Ryan Tannehill this season, he got a little bit better in terms of working off of non-play action passes, in my opinion. Um, but that kind of um, play action game that was absolutely lethal in years past, partially because of the decline in supporting cast and more so because of his decline uh, physically, um, that just kind of really started to fade away. Um, and he had a much worse season than he did 
in 2020, uh, 2019 especially, and then even in 2021. Um, when he was a decline player from those two seasons that I referenced. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what's, what went on with Ryan Tannehill. Um, yeah, offer your thoughts on yeah. Tannehill, and then we'll start breaking down his games. Yeah, before we get into it, I do want to reemphasize some of the things you said because one, I, one thing you guys may have noticed if you guys have been listening throughout this year, or maybe you haven't, but at least for me, I'm not the biggest fan of Ryan Tannehill. You could almost even go on and say I'm a borderline Ryan Tannehill hater and I'm just not really a huge fan of his ability to you know raise the ceiling of an offense uh because of his I guess lack of physical tools which PD did get into a little bit but I do want to re-emphasize how poor his situation was and that's definitely something I took into consideration while watching him the last year uh because last year his supporting cast was pretty damn awful definitely one of the worst uh in the league with them trading away uh AJ Brown and they did I feel like expect a little bit more out of a guy like Traylon Burks to maybe not fill AJ Brown's shoes coming in right away because obviously obviously he was more of a project type of player but he definitely didn't fill that wide receiver one or even wide receiver two role whatsoever they brought in a guy like Robert Woods who before his injury honestly was a very good uh, wide receiver two for the Rams and he certainly did not prove he looked very washed in his old age and honestly the rest of their receivers would barely even make NFL rosters I feel like on a lot of other teams uh, it was quite an awful receiving cast as well as a sharp decline in the offensive line I think when Ryan Tannehill was at his best uh, you could say his prime so to speak a couple years ago uh, when this Titans offense was really going with him and Derrick Henry that Titans offensive line was pretty good and I think a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill who maybe isn't as mobile and doesn't have the physical tools to play make and you know get you out of certain situations you do need that offensive line to be pretty good block well for him and they certainly were not that last year and that not only affected him but also affected Derrick Henry uh, even though he did have in my opinion, still a pretty good season individually, uh, Derrick Henry did. Uh, it's just kind of limiting when you have such a poor run game. And Derrick Henry at this point in his career is like, I believe, 28 years old, going on to 29 next year. Uh, as good as he is right now, it can only last so long. Uh, it's kind of feeling like the end of the road almost for this Titans team who didn't quite have... Uh, contending window but whatever this little era of titans football is it seems to be coming to an end a little bit and i guess that's kind of fitting with where ryan Tannehill is headed as pd mentioned with him being i think going on to his age 35 season next year uh you see a pretty clear decline in all of his physical tools i mean he was never the most athletic even coming into the league even in his younger years but now, I, I, at least I feel like he's starting to look a little bit slower. His arm talent, which is already not the best, I feel like is declining. He's not able to fit balls in, into as tight windows or throw the ball deep. Uh, I think he's getting kind of limited to that play-action offense, which he is very good at. And off that play-action, he's extremely accurate as well. Uh, but it's starting to seem seem like he's kind of descending more and more into a game managerial type of role and we saw that a little bit in this season and 
I guess we'll get right into that with this Titans Giants game. Yeah, quick clarification on a couple of things. So, um, Tannehill, he does have mobility, but I don't. I think he kind of lacks feel mm. as a scrambler and playmaker. Uh, I think he can. Well, yeah. at this point, probably post injury, the movement is probably kind of toast. But um, he used to be able to move very well. Former wide receiver and all um, movement skills. Oh still yeah, hadn't left him. Um, and then I do disagree when you said he didn't have the strongest arm. He had used to have one of the best arms in the league, probably um, into that top 10 range in terms of arm talent when he was at his best. Um, it might be like really able to push the ball into tight windows over the middle um, with velocity. And I think he still has the ability to uh, push it down the field. Um, just the frequency with which he can do it with this supporting cast being absolutely terrible is, is just, it's just really rough. And then um, one thing we both didn't mention is the scheme. The scheme is, the scheme is really bad. Um, they really like the the route concepts. As we'll we'll kind of start to get into it with the game by game breakdown, but um, the separation that the receivers are unable to generate part of it falls on the scheme, and, and it's 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 very poor. Um, so yeah, let's let's get into that first game um, against the Giants, where I thought he played a pretty solid game. Um, made a great throw um, towards the end of the game to put them in a position to maybe win, um, but yeah, they, they just couldn't couldn't come up and. and um, make the plays at the end for for Tannehill to uh, lead them to the win. He was able to be aggressive, um, suffered a number of drops in this one, so the completion percentage is um, a little bit misleading. Um, And, yeah, only took one sack. Played a pretty strong game in in the opener in this one, in my opinion. Yeah, in this game, this is not one of those games where I'm very critical of Tannehill because, honestly, I was quite impressed with this performance. I think this – Giants team kind of coming into the year nobody expected them to be as good as they were being a playoff team and all and they kind of came out and gave the Titans a little bit more of a run for their money than people expected I think at this point people expected the Titans to be the better team and that second half flurry we kind of saw from uh, the Giants was unexpected and Tannehill handled that pretty well I think throughout the game he was pretty accurate he was able to not only push the ball downfield, but kind of get his own game going, which was working off that uh, Derrick Henry run game, which honestly wasn't the most effective at this game, but whatever little bit of juice they got from that, he was able to work off that with the play action and get things going. He did have that very impressive drive at the end of the game, which PD mentioned, to put his team in scoring position and potentially win them this game. And drops here and there is what ultimately ended up failing them, as well as just his receivers not being there to help him out. I mean, we talked about just a second ago how poor uh, this receiving core was, and his guys were brought in in this game to help for that exact reason. Guys like Traylon Burks, Robert Woods simply were not getting open. Uh, he was forced to fit balls into very tight windows, and despite all those drops and like being in a very tough situation, he still was statistically had a pretty good accuracy, and if you really look at the film – his accuracy was even better. I feel like his depth of target was also pretty good. Uh, I thought this was an, a pretty solid game from him, especially because this Giants pass rush is pretty good. And he really didn't take much pressure at all from them. And I was talking about earlier, at this point in his career, he is a little bit slower and stuff. Uh, and that didn't really seem to affect him in this one. So 
pretty pretty good game to start off the year for him. Yep, um, totally agreed there. And it goes the exact opposite direction, unfortunately, for him. Um, in the next week, um, in Buffalo, tough weather game. And yeah, just, just they were totally overmatched. This Buffalo team was firing on all cinder- cylinders early on in the year. And yeah, no run games to speak of. Um, <coughs> receivers were horrible. He was horrible. Um, made two boneheaded decisions um, that really ended up costing them. Uh, couldn't really get anything going in terms of consistency. Yeah, this this game was was a, a battle of two teams in totally different tiers, and it really showed, um, even in his play. <clears throat> yeah, and we'll get into how we feel about Tannehill going into next season later. But honestly, it's games like this that make me doubtful a little bit for him. And granted, obviously, this Bills team was significantly, significantly better. And being, I believe this game was in Buffalo in pretty terrible weather. Uh, maybe not terrible, but not the best weather, uh, especially for a guy like Ryan Tannehill. This definitely is not an ideal situation from him, but I do think his negatives in this one really shined. Uh, I think his immobility kind of showed a little bit here at this point in his career. He was facing a lot more pressure than you would typically see out of Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Took two sacks, which is a little bit uncharacteristic of him. Uh, Put the ball in harm's way a bunch of times, which honestly, you don't really see that out of Tannehill. I feel like that was kind of just him losing his mojo in this one and kind of just making a couple of boneheaded plays. Uh, That's not really a pattern, but that's definitely something he did poorly in this one. His accuracy was looking off. Uh, I don't really know if it was the weather or him just not being on the same page with his receivers, but he didn't even attempt to pass the ball downfield. And maybe he didn't have the opportunity. And it really looked like when the run game wasn't working, he simply could contribute nothing. And I'm not going to put that all on him because obviously that does fall on the entire team. It falls on the blocking, uh, the running backs as well, the scheme in general. But it really showed to me how limited Tannehill can be when you put up a performance like this. I feel like there's a lot of guys in the league that even despite this, they might have done a little bit more uh, with what they had here. And he put up a bit of a stinker. Yeah, really rough performance all around from everyone, including him. Um, and moving on to the next week, um, this game was like a mild bounce back. They didn't really ask him to do much. He put the ball in harm's way a couple of times um, and did have a fumble that I thought was his fault, but um, made a number of intermediate throws that were pretty solid um, and pushed the ball down the field uh, one time for a very nice throw. So um, did make up for it some, um, just an average game after the stinker that was the previous one. Yeah, to me, this was honestly a very up-and-down game for Tannehill because I feel like he came out of the gate and was did a good job of like trying to bounce back from whatever happened last game, put that past him. And I think to start off, he started to get things going a little bit. The Titans' offense was rolling better than we had seen them do uh, for honestly most of this year up to this point, uh, at least I felt like uh, I thought he was starting to build a good uh, little chemistry with you know his, his uh, new new guy in Robert Woods. He was spreading the ball out a little bit more. And then I feel like the second half is where things kind of fell apart for him. Uh, we saw him put the ball in harm's way a couple of times. I saw uh, a little bit more inaccuracies than we did before. 
Uh, the Raiders didn't get a whole lot of pressure on him if we're talking about the game as a whole. But when they did, it happened when it mattered. Uh, and honestly, he almost blew this game to a pretty poor team. Uh, the Raiders should not have even been this in this one necessarily. And I feel like Tannehill could have done more to not only put this game away, but just have his offense going the entire time. And I think dry spells like that is what plagued them throughout the year. We'll see more of this moving forward too. And yeah, just a, a average game for him as a whole, I'd say, after that second half letdown. Yeah, and... Moving on to the next one, I think this one was um, kind of average. Um, he didn't. He wasn't really asked to do much. The the Titans really kept the the passes close to the line of scrimmage, um, and so he kind of just went out there and did his job. But um, in in a situation like this, you're not really gonna be able to generate much impact. Um, so yeah, it it does put a ceiling on um, what type of game that he can have. But um, yeah, he did execute what was what was given to him this one. Yeah, I, I agree with that pretty much. He wasn't really a floor raiser in this one. He kind of just did his thing, which is what I was trying to talk about kind of going into this year. He kind of sunk in a lot of those games into a game managerial type role. And this one, I guess, was a little bit special of a game, you could say, because uh, they really got things going with Derrick Henry in this one. It kind of looked like the Titans of old, where it was just give it a Henry and fuck it, see what happens. Uh, and outside of that, they were just getting play action, dump offs, things here and there to maybe mix it up. But really, they they ran the ball more than they threw the ball here. It was one of those games where they kind of just let things happen. Uh, but one thing that kind of raised concern once again, uh, which I've been trying to t- talk about is his. I feel like immobility at this point in his career, uh, career showed a little bit once again, and this Colts defense does have a pretty solid front seven. We talked about this Titans offensive line not being the best. Uh, but I think he took way too much pressure in this one, uh, especially given the game plan they had coming into this one where he was really just getting the ball and releasing it. Uh, I didn't really understand why he was taking so much pressure, so many sacks in this one. However, in the limited amount of throws he did have, he was very, very accurate. He was making those throws on point, but... Nothing really that impressed me. He didn't push the ball downfield. He also wasn't asked to push the ball downfield. But it, it, it was something that I feel like a lot of quarterbacks could have done in this situation. Uh, but no mistakes for sure, and that's always a good sign. Yeah. Um, and looking at this game against Washington in Week 5, um, he was able to push the ball down the field a couple of times um, and did a good job there being aggressive and, and stuff. But... Um, yeah, taking five sacks, a number of them his fault, um, just really, really did hurt the offense and um, made it kind of more like an average game to me rather than what it probably could have been um, with the efficiency that he did have through the air. So um, a little bit of a, of a tougher one than it should have been. Yeah, to me, this game was maybe not the start or kind of continuation from last game to where we started to see a bit of a shift in how uh, the Titans are running their offense. Because I think at this point in the season, they've started to realize that the guys they've brought in to be receiving threats simply are not that. They can't win that way. Ryan Tannehill does not have the tools to 
raise this group of receivers who are not the best. And they kind of just tore, uh, turned a lot of these games into just ground-and-pound, ugly games. They're not going to have you know, very, very great efficiency in the run game, but they're going to hand the ball off a ton of times, get yards, get downfield that way, just put the ball in Derrick Henry's hands, really. And whatever else happens outside of that happens, but uh, they, they're they not really focused on what's going on in the offense. And I really felt like that was this type of game. And I guess Ryan Tannehill was solid in the role that they asked him to do. Uh judging by how few times he went downfield, I feel like his accuracy could have been a little bit better. There weren't a whole lot of drops in this one either. So that was a little bit concerning. And also, once again, this is uh, uncharacteristic of Ryan Tannehill if you look at his previous years, but once again, taking a lot of pressure. Five sacks in this one, most of which I did feel like were his fault. Uh, just That was just a, a very concerning to look at. Uh, but despite that, he was still hitting his guys down low, kind of like he was in the last one. He did push the ball downfield one time to a pretty long, I think like 60 yard pass to, uh, Westbrook, uh, Ikan, and that was, that was pretty impressive. Uh, but outside of that, not really many throws, which made me, you know, kind of think, think higher of him. Just another game managerial type of game and really getting towards that mold that this Titans offense seemed to take the rest of this year. Yeah. Um, and moving on to um, the next game. So um, this is the game where Tannehill gets injured and subsequently misses a couple of games afterwards. Um, and we'll, we'll try to talk about uh, Malik Willis in, in the next game um, as well. So um, very low volume because of the injury. Um, and yeah, he was kind of average. Did put the ball in harm's way one time for a dropped interception um, and kind of wasn't really asked to do much after a certain point. Um, just keeping things close to the line of scrimmage again for the Titans offense. Um, and yeah, didn't put up much impact, but did have an okay-ish game. Yeah, I was talking about ugly games, and <laughs> once again, we got quite an ugly game from them. And maybe not quite as ugly as the last two, because... They did get a little bit more going in terms of the rushing game. Uh, Derrick Henry had a couple of explosive runs that made that efficiency seem better, a little bit better than it should have been. But just another ground and pound, kill the clock, take what we can get in the passing game type of offense from them. And in that, once again, Ryan Tannehill was solid in his role. Accuracy was solid. Uh, he was spreading the ball out pretty well, which in this sort of offense, you're really not going to be able to target one guy and I like that he was doing that but once again very unimpressed with the fact that he didn't even attempt to attack down uh, downfield there was no threat in the uh, middle to deep receiving game whatsoever and yeah like I said obviously this passing uh this passing offense is not the best uh, but the cold secondary was not particularly good this year either there were a lot of teams that were able to kind of attack them deep and this Titans team was not one of them and uh, and I do think that is because of Ryan Tannehill uh, he was a lot better at pressure management in this one compared to other ones but I think that's because he was just asked to release the ball so quick uh, just another game where I wasn't particularly impressed by Tannehill but he didn't make enough mistakes for me to say he was bad 
Yeah, I agree. He didn't he didn't really make enough mistakes for me to say he's bad. Um, so let's transition to the next game where um the Titans end up starting Malik Willis and um oh, yeah, man against Houston. Um <laughs> this this can only um kind of be described as an offense. I mean like it is all Derrick Henry. Willis barely gets any any volume to throw the ball at all. Um, yeah, just, uh, I mean, when he did throw it, um, the interception he threw was awful. One of the worst I've seen all year. Um, yeah, just, just nothing there really to, to speak up for Willis. Yeah, I, I don't really have much else to add. This was honestly a disaster class of offense. It almost looked like they kind of just picked some dude in the stands and threw him on the field to run this offense. He didn't look like. NFL ready whatsoever and a little side tangent on this Derrick Henry absolutely backpacked this offense and I'm still very salty about this week because I faced Derrick Henry in multiple fantasy leagues where he put up 219 yards and two touchdowns out of nowhere uh absolutely pissed me off but going back to Malik Willis yeah they they didn't It didn't seem like he knew what he was doing, and the Titans clearly knew that, and they didn't really ask him to do anything. In the very few times he wasn't just told to throw a screen or a check down, he either threw a pick or nearly threw a pick. Uh, For what it's worth, he had a four QBR. That is absolutely disgraceful. I don't know know what else to say about that. Uh, I think this game they might have realized that they might have to move on from Malik Willis. Uh, maybe that Will Levis pick, which we're going to talk about later. Uh, that They might have decided that in this one itself because, my God, was he awful. Really not a single positive takeaway from this game. Yeah, this 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 was this was horrible. Um, but thankfully, the next week has some flashes. Um, so against Kansas City, um, he makes some very, very explosive throws down the field. Um, one of them even dropped, so um, some bad luck there. That would have helped his box score quite a bit. Um, yeah, just early on in the game, he was able to generate some big-time shots <clears> down <throat> the field. Um, but as the game wore on, you know, we saw the same consistency type of thing that we saw against Houston. Um, and he looked, again, like a rookie who was um, – I, I don't, I don't want to flame Malik Willis here, but um, he looked like a rookie that was called a project without having – um, the best tools to come out. So um, it, it was bad down the stretch against Kansas City, but um, he did make some explosive throws with his aggression um, and, and arm talent uh, down the field in the first half. Um, yeah, there, there was something there to build off of. I love how politely you called him trash there. That was, the, the, that was very nice of you. Uh, but I, I think flashes, him showing flashes is honestly a bit giving him too much here uh, because all to be completely honest, his accuracy was absolutely awful here. Yeah. He did have like two plays where he was able to kind of throw the ball downfield, but his receivers are wide open and they were quite clearly schemed open. It wasn't Malik Willis making a read or like throwing somebody open. It was, he saw open guy downfield, got him the ball on target uh, and even that he couldn't really do consistently because he did that once or twice in this game and didn't do it again, uh, which is I don't know how that happens because that is quite literally was supposed to be a strong suit. 
his strong suit was supposed to be how crazy his arm was and that the deep game with Malik Willis is going to be insane. And we saw in this one that sure, maybe it'll hit one every 10 times. Uh, and as another thing that really, really disappointed me was Malik Willis was marketed as this crazy athlete with a lot of upside. And that's why uh, he is the way he is. And I'm not going to knock on his athleticism. He is an extremely athletic guy. Maybe he could even switch to another position if this whole quarterbacking thing does not work out. Uh, but I feel like he doesn't use his athleticism to his advantage whatsoever because he holds the ball so long that he still receives a lot of pressure, still takes a lot of sacks because he can't make a decision. Uh, that elusiveness that we were supposed to expect out of Malik Willis, we did not see that. He was not making anyone miss, not making really any playmaking plays that we saw at college. And honestly, this might just be a situation of people reading too much into the hype because to me, once again, he did not show anything in this aside from maybe one throw. Yeah. Um, just, just some wild inconsistencies that he'll have to really, really work on if he wants to have a chance in the league. Um, so let's switch back to Ryan Tannehill here. Yeah. Let's, let's, um, let's switch back to Ryan Tannehill here, um, against Denver. And yeah, this, this, this was a, that this game, um, we talked about Russ in the last episode, but this this game was was really bad to watch in terms of offense on, on both sides. Um, Tannehill getting a little lucky, putting the ball in harm's way a couple times, um, not getting punished for either of them. Um, besides that, he was able to make a few nice intermediate throws, but um, not really enough to save um, this game from still being bad, in my opinion. Um, yeah, just kind of, kind of a rough game where... Uh, the deficiencies between the Denver's defensive talent um, and his his offensive talent really showed up, and his decision making wasn't wasn't clean for the whole game. Yeah, I think you put it perfectly when saying this was just un- a matchup of terrible offenses because that is really what we were watching. This this was a pretty pretty difficult watch, uh, and I think a lot of it had to do, at least from the Titans side had to do with the fact that their rushing offense was so successful in the weeks prior. I mean, for like three weeks or four weeks in a row at this point, we saw Derrick Henry absolutely backpack this team, put up ridiculous stat lines. And in this one, we just didn't see that because the Broncos' defense was one of the best in the league this year. And they just weren't going to let something like that happen. And Ryan Tannehill just seemed like he couldn't really work off that uh, with them having no run game. He didn't really seem like he could put things together on his own. Uh, Like PD mentioned, he gets away with a couple of interceptable passes that just kind of fall, uh, put the ball in harm's way and nothing really came up of it. One thing I was impressed with is he didn't really seem to take a whole lot of pressure in this game. And considering how good this Broncos defense was, uh, that is definitely uh, impressive. And, his accuracy was a little bit better than it had been in like the couple weeks prior to his injury because uh, he was kind of awful com- coming into this game uh, in all of those other games uh, before. Uh, and he did seem to develop a little bit of a connection with one of his receivers, it being uh, Nick westbrook uh probably one of his better games of the season here. And I think a lot of that had to do with that 63-yard pass, which I think was more to uh, a good play by Nick than it was a great throw by Tannehill. Uh, 
But either ways, they seem to get a little bit going. Uh, I think this was a little bit of a step forward, but still, still, still very much uh, average to below average performance for me. Yeah, um, not the greatest one in this one. But <clears throat> the next game, this this is this is pretty this is this is pretty much masterclass territory, um, in my opinion. Just absolutely carving up the Packers defense with intermediate throws, with throws down the field. He was aggressive, accurate. Um, has the one interception that does hurt, but oh my gosh, he was he was firing the ball down the field, short, intermediate, deep. It didn't matter, and this is kind of. Uh, a look back into what it looked like in 2019 um, when things were clicking on all cylinders. This is kind of what it looked like um, for the Titans. And you saw why kind of their offense exploded um, and the ceiling of, the, of that team was really, really high uh, against um, basically everyone that they played. Um, and yeah, um, a kind of kind of resurgent type of performance from him. Um, best game of the season by far, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't have very much else to disagree with you here, even though I was very critical of Ryan Tannehill uh, throughout this year. Uh, I won't go as far as you and say this was a master class, but this was a very, very, very good performance for sure. Uh, I'll say I'd go as far as saying easily his best performance of the year. Uh, yeah, things were absolutely clicking for them, and it was even more impressive was the fact that they did not have run a run game going whatsoever. And Ryan Tannehill still decided to put this team on his back and just absolutely uh, smoke this Packers defense. And I do think part of this had to do with the fact that this was a Thursday night game and it looked like the Packers team as a whole, including that defense, kind of came out a little groggy. You see that a lot happen a lot in Thursday night games or like, you have a very monster performance and a team highly disappoints on the other side. Uh, and the Packers were kind of on that downturn portion of the season, which they kind of had to dig themselves out of later. Uh, and the Titans kind of just caught them at a good time. And Ryan Tannehill absolutely took advantage. Accuracy was very much on point. This was kind of Traylon Burks' coming out game. He was getting open all the time. Uh, that deep threat ability that they really wanted him to replace A.J. Brown, uh, that came out today. They had a pretty great connection on a 50-yard pass. And not only that, Tannehill was firing on all cinder cylinders to all of his receivers, I felt like. <clears throat> Didn't really make any mistakes. I even felt that it, uh, that interception he threw was not really his fault. He didn't really put the ball in harm's way, in my opinion, in, uh, in this one. Uh yeah, you really can't get that much better than this. And for the first time all season, really, he really pushed the ball downfield. And that's something I don't know why Ryan Tannehill does not go back to or more try to do more often. Uh, but when he does and he puts it all together, it, games like this can't happen. And I was thoroughly impressed. Yeah, um, a high watermark for this season for sure. And Moving on to the next game, big-time matchup against the Titans, and I did not come away extremely impressed. He was okay in this one, was able to find some intermediate passes um, that helped his impact, but um, the consistency element of the offense, it, it was kind of because of the, the timing of the run plays, I think. It really hurt. Um, but yeah, those intermediate passes were kind of all that he had, and yeah, I, I, um, I thought he played like a slightly above-average type of game. 
Yeah, I was also very much disappointed in this one, especially following that last game. Uh, not only was this a big game for Tannehill, but this was a big game for the Titans. Uh, this Bengals team obviously being a powerhouse in the AFC and coming into this game, uh, the Titans were ahead of them. And this was a big game they needed to win for uh, playoff matchup, seeding, all that sort of thing. And they eventually, I don't think they make the playoffs this year, so... This was definitely a big game that they definitely wanted to win. And Ryan Tannehill, although this whole offense kind of sold, including coaching, like you mentioned, he was definitely part of it. Uh, this The rushing attack was atrocious in this one. I don't know what happened. Uh, this doesn't even look nearly that same team a couple weeks ago that was dropping 200 yards rushing. Uh, it was pretty atrocious, and as a result, Ryan Tannehill couldn't work off the play action, and that really hindered their offense. The real only real explosive plays uh, I felt like came from one was like a Derrick Henry screen, which was really all him. And another explosive play was a pretty solid pass to Traylon Burks, but they didn't nearly go to him as much as I would have liked, especially after the monster game he had last week. And I think it was just Ryan Tannehill not finding him. Maybe it was a scheme, them not trying to get the ball to Burks. But overall, that connection wasn't happening. He kind of sunk back into that role of, okay, I'm going to be a game manager. I'm just going to dump the ball off, maybe go into the intermediate range. But he wouldn't even dare attack deep. And that's when you see this offense go from as prolific as it was last week to as kind of slow and non-scoring as it was in this game. And we'll see a little bit in the couple weeks following up. So definitely a disappointing one for me. Yeah, and speaking of disappointment, um, I'm not even sure how to categorize this. Um, it, it was poor play um, overall um, against Philly, um, but uh, yeah, I mean they're like so overmatched. It's like it's not even funny. Like um, he does make one explosive throw in this game. It's pretty nice. Um, makes a couple of intermediate throws, but just. Just his offensive line totally overwhelmed. Um, he took six sacks. A number of them weren't his fault, in my opinion. And the two that were, um, they did hurt his impact for me. Um, so I would say this this was kind of a rough game. But, um, I, I mean, the supporting cast of this one just completely, like, had no chance. Uh, yeah, this game absolutely reminded me of that uh, Bills game we were talking about early in the season. I believe it was week one or two where this Titans team was just absolutely overmatched and just got spanked. And this was just a repeat of that. And really, the Eagles did this to a lot of teams throughout the years This or throughout the year last year. Uh, this wasn't anything new. And the Titans were just kind of another domino in the path that they toppled over on their path to the Super Bowl. Uh, and yeah, nothing really went the Titans way here offensively. Uh, they kind of had something going in the first half, but when the Eagles really buckled down and played defense, uh, there's nothing they could do. AJ Brown was coming back in a revenge game and he absolutely torched this Tennessee defense. Uh, and on Ryan Tannehill's end, yeah, he took way too much pressure. Like you did mention. And I guess, some of those sacks necessarily were not his fault, but what I do think was his fault was uh, him not making decisions quick enough and putting that offensive line in a lot of positions where 
they're blocking for a long time and having to deal with a lot of pressure. And granted, there were a lot of snaps where Tannehill didn't have a chance. The pressure was in his face the second he caught the ball off the snap. But there were also a lot of situations where I felt like he could have maybe made a decision faster, and because he didn't, it ruined the flow of the, uh, the rhythm of the play, and too much pressure came in his face, and it just became a dud of a play. Uh, yeah, nothing got going. I'm not going to continue to dogpile on him, to be honest, because this was very familiar compared to a lot of the games we've seen earlier. Uh, a poor performance from me. Yeah, and moving on to the next game against Jacksonville. Um, I thought he played okay in this one. Did put the ball in harm's way a couple of times, once with a fumble and once with an interceptable pass. But he was aggressive pushing the ball down the field, um, completed a couple of intermediate passes. And um, taking those sacks was a little bit of a sting for him, but um, I didn't think all of them were his fault again. Um, And yeah, kind of an okay-ish type of game from him in this one. Yeah, I I would also probably describe this game as very much mid because uh, this was kind of like one of the other games I talked about earlier in the year where he was just super up and down because aside from like one garbage time play, uh, garbage time drive they had at the end where they uh, got a touchdown and the two-point conversion where I feel like he kind of stat padded himself a little bit, made this game not look as bad as it was. He really did nothing after the first quarter. And this offense really was not getting anything going after uh, a pretty solid start, to be honest. And once again, we saw him take a lot more pressure than he should have. Uh, I was saying it was uncharacteristic of him at the start of the year. Uh, But at this point, with the amount of times it's happened, it might just be what we should expect out of this new Tannehill. Uh, That interception and that fumble that PD mentioned, uh, even though it wasn't a whole lot of mistakes in general, I do think those turnovers were what kind of put the game out of reach for the Titans here. Uh, his accuracy was I, but once again, he wasn't really attacking downfield, uh, didn't really get things going with any of his receivers. It was just a lot of dump-offs, uh, quick passes on like drags, short ins, slants, uh, him just getting rid of the ball as soon as possible. And maybe you would think it's because this Jaguars defense is lethal, getting after it. But honestly, at this point in the year, the Jaguars defense was not that good. They were still pretty inexperienced and uh, giving up a lot of points to a lot of teams, to be quite frank. And this Titans offense did not take advantage in a game where Derrick Henry went back to his old ways of playing really, really well, really, really efficient running game. And for whatever reason, Tannehill could not work off it in that play action. Uh, Pretty disappointed, to be honest. Yeah, and moving on to final game of the season that we're going to talk about because Josh Dobbs' content is not for this podcast. Um, (laughs) We're not here for that. No, unfortunately not. Um, Tannehill gets injured in this one. Um, and up to that point in the game, he wasn't really playing that great either. Um, a couple of short intermediate passes that were okay, um, but did put the ball in harm's way for the, for the interception that I thought was pretty bad. Took a number of sacks um, that I did think were his fault. And yeah, this game, um, he looked hurt, got pulled from the game because of the injury. Um, yeah, just, just not a great game overall in my opinion. Yeah, I think this game was kind of that final, like, 
culminating sign that this is what we're going to expect out of Ryan Tannehill at this point. Obviously, judging based off what we've said for most of these games, this was quite the rough season for him for various factors. And we kind of saw it all come together in this one. In this season, we saw Ryan Tannehill make way more mistakes than we really ever saw from him in Tennessee. This was like a Miami Tannehill level of mistakes. And once again, we saw him put the ball in harm's way. We also didn't really see him face a lot of pressure and take a lot of sacks in most of his time in Tennessee. And just like the rest of the year, we saw him do that once again here. Uh, he didn't quite push the ball downfield again. Uh, didn't even attack the middle of the field necessarily. And this one was another one of those extra disappointing games for me because the run game was doing so well. Derrick Henry once again had a pretty good rushing performance, efficient as well with a lot of yards and a score. Uh, honestly, not much more I could ask for from him. Uh, really it was up to Ryan Tannehill to, you know, kind of complete this game because against a very good Chargers team, this def that Tennessee defense was keeping them close. They limited uh, Justin Herbert kind of well. This was not a good game for him either. Uh, in a in a season where the supporting cast was not very helpful for Tannehill, this was one of those games where they actually showed up. And I know it was tough with his injury, but even up till that point, he didn't show up for them. And that's why this is one of the more disappointing games for me because a lot of the other ones I could kind of boil down to, oh, you know, things didn't go his way because of how the team produced around him. But this game was not the case in my opinion. I think he was the problem here. All right, so that'll wrap up our regular season recap for Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis. Um, we'll, we also should talk about Will Levis. Um, we've done a number of pieces on Will Levis. Um, if you want to go check out our um, rookie recap, um, the draft recap episode for him, um, you can go do that. Um, but he's kind of listed as the third-string quarterback right now, so don't really expect to play time unless – Tannehill goes down and Willis looks like he did last year, then he could maybe see some time. Um, but let's start talking about what it could look like this season. So um, before discussing or before discussing on this episode of the podcast, Paulie um, and I had some disagreements on um, where Tannehill would be ranked. And I think it's kind of um, a difference in philosophy where he wants to be more aggressive in projecting younger guys um, and be more mean to older guys. Um, as they age, and um, I understand where he's coming from now after he's talked about it a little bit. The the injury for Tannehill is a little scary to think about, um, and he has been piling up injuries, actually. Um, so I, I kind of see yep. the see the argument now. Um, I still think that when he's healthy, he's a good player. Um, he He's able to – this is going to sound weird to say, but he's able to lead a good offense to great heights. That's always been um, his calling card, in my opinion. He's able to take – a team that can um, run the ball, give him time to be protected, um, to work uh, under center and fire the ball over the middle and, and down the field. That's kind of been his role for a long time. But now that the Titans don't have anything to support him with, um, other than the running back who can't really carry the offense by himself, um, he's he looks kind of out of place, I would say. Um, mm -hmm. And kind of looking at um, what the team and scheme fit look like, um, for, for Tannehill this year, the receiving core is still 
like absolutely horrible. Um, they they really I, I'm not really sure what their philosophy is um, with this team. Um, it looks like they're entering what looks like a total rebuild, um, but they still have uh, Traylon Burks as wide receiver one, Nick Westbrook Akine as wide receiver two, Kyle Phillips, uh, week one legend Kyle Phillips um, in <laughs> as wide receiver three. Um, Okonkwo is their tight end. I like him. Um, they did add, um, Josh Weil, but their depth is just unbelievably bad. Chris Moore, Racy McMath, Colton Dowell, uh, off the bench for the Titans Who receiving group. People, man? <laughs> <laughs> dude, Racy, dude, Racy McMath. Oh boy. Um, yeah, right like there. it's, it's, it's really bad. Like none of these guys, I think Traylon Burks could maybe be like a, like a wide receiver three type on a high end team. <laughs> it's it's so bad um at least along the offensive line they did add, they did add peter skaronsky um picked up andre dillard as a reclamation project um and then at at center through the right tackle it's aaron brewer daniel brunskill and nicholas petit freer so a young group but like I, I don't really have much hope of development the situation is still going to be horrible for the third year in a row um and I wouldn't expect Tannehill's um, output in terms of stats or um, what's actually going on in terms of impact metrics that I track um, or something like EPA or PFF grade to look all that good. Um, but again, we are projecting him to have maybe the worst situation in the league um, again. So yeah, it's, it's going to be tough for him to put up impact. Um, the impact range that um, I had for him I think he's going to be um, kind of a lower end uh, type of, or a mid to lower end type of starter um, somewhere around that um, 16 to 20 range. Seems like a good 50th percentile. Um, if he continues to show regression um, with the injuries, I think he could be closer to like that 25th to 26th um, type range in the 25th percentile outcome. Um, and then uh, if he really starts to fall off with the injuries and severe regression and, and the arm talent, um, continues to dwindle. He could look like more of like a strong type, strong backup type. Um, but, um, the, you know, I do have to talk about high end outcomes, um, even though they, they do seem even less likely to happen um, with this kind of supporting cast. But let's say that um, they have some sort of revelation in terms of scheme um, and the Nick Westbrook Akine breakout happens. Um, uh, the 75th percentile outcome and 100th percentile outcomes. Um, Tannehill could look again like a strong starter and at his very best, like everything goes right. Um, everyone is breaking out. The scheme looks way better for whatever reason. Um, he could look like a pro bowler again, um, a low-end pro bowler type. So that's my distribution of outcomes for him. Um, and then quickly touching on Willis um, and Levis. Uh, Willis, I don't really see a path for him to be a high-end backup or, or a low-end or a, a mid-level backup. Um, um, I think his range is from low-end backup to not rosterable type of thing. I think he's firmly like a third-string type of guy. Um, and then for Will Levis, I think that at his very, very best, he could look like a mid-level backup. Um, but at his <laughs> worst, um, he probably looks like a low-end third-stringer type. Um, and I would expect him to be like a low-end backup type in his first year. Yeah, and uh, real quick before I jump into how I feel about their uh, scheme fit and my projections for all of these guys, one thing I do want to touch on, and you were talking about it a second ago, is you said you saw Ryan Tannehill as the kind of guy who can 
you know, raise a good team to great heights. And honestly, even though a lot of what we disagree uh, about with Ryan Tannehill, that is something I wholeheartedly agree with. And I think even to this point in his career, I still think uh, someone like him could have maybe his uh, Aaron Rodgers opportunity sort of thing like he had right now with the Jets, where some team that already has a roster put together maybe wants a veteran guy to just come in and they know will give solid quarterback play. And maybe he can kind of revive his career somewhere else. Uh, but to me, and I said this from the very, very jump of this episode, to me, Ryan Tannehill is maybe one of the worst floor raisers in the league, especially at this point in his career. Uh, he's not the type of guy that's going to play make for you. He's not, at this point in his career, that's gonna, the type of guy that's going to throw you open and fit the ball into tight windows to the extent to get guys like Kyle Phillip and Racy McMath the ball. It's just, it's tough for, for anyone to deal with it, but especially someone like Ryan Tannehill, it's tough for him to deal with. And that's honestly why uh, a lot of what played into my ranking, which I'll get into in a second, uh, I'll have my little Max Kellerman moment because with the, when he said Tom Brady is going to fall off a cliff, I do think Ryan Tannehill's actual production that we're going to see is going to fall off a cliff. Because just the way the player he is and the amount of injuries that's been piling up, he's about to be 35. I just don't see a world where him with this team around him can do anything but be one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And yeah, that is partially a knock on him, but it's also just a knock on the system as a whole. And uh, yeah, may maybe if te you look at it talent-wise, he may not be that low down. But what I'm projecting is the actual production we're going to see out of him, what he'll actually end up playing like. And this isn't Tannehill at a base value on any team. This is Tannehill. What will he do on this Titans team next year, given the player he is? And I just don't see things going well for him. And I'll transition that right into the fit of him with this team. It's terrible, but the fit with anybody on this team is going to be terrible. Because, like, who who's going to be successful with guys like Traylon Warburks, Nick Westbrook, Akine, Kyle Phillips as your top three receivers? Like, Kyle Phillips, Chris Moore, AC McMath, Colton Dowell, these are all guys who will probably get playing time for the Titans. I don't even know who they are. With all due respect, I don't know who those people are. And Derrick Henry is obviously great, uh, a great player, but he's going to be 29. And aside from that, they have no depth in the running back room as well. And you did talk about how they kind of try to patch up that offensive line with a couple of picks here and there, uh, pickups here and there, I should say. But even that, it's a bunch of new people with no chemistry together. And individually, they're not all the best players in the world in general. They're scarting a guy in Daniel Brunskill, who for years with my Niners, he was just a plug-and-play guy when people got hurt. This isn't a starting caliber, caliber player, and I feel like that's the case with a couple of their guys on the offensive line, including like Aaron Brewer, Nicholas Petit-Frere. I don't see them as guys who should be consistently starting. And one thing the Titans have been good at for a while is finding tight ends, and they didn't seem to do that this year as well. The, their tight end room is pretty terrible too. So to me, this is pretty clearly a rebuild year, and Ryan Tannehill is going to be used as the guy who's the transition guy they're going to throw under the bus 
as they move on to the next year. And maybe they deal Derrick Henry. Maybe he has a more graceful exit. But I see Ryan Tannehill ending up having kind of a tough exit with this team. And they're going to start building around whether it's Malik Willis or Will Levis. Probably Will Levis. But based off what we saw with Malik Willis last year. Uh, but Ryan Tannehill is just going to be that little middle glue guy in between. Because clearly they haven't even put a single thought ounce of effort in trying to build a team around him because this supporting cast is dreadful. Uh, this It's like honestly barely even NFL worthy. Uh, and to going into all of their projections, and this is the juicy thing that we've been talking about with me, with Ryan Tannehill, I think he's going to be a bottom three, four quarterback in the league next season, along with uh, the new rookies in the league, some of the backup level quarterbacks who were just promoted to starter. I think he gets, he falls into that range because of all of what I said. And I really don't see much variety in that either. I think his positioning is going to be very similar uh, in the low and high end outcome. I think high end outcome, he plays similar to what he did last year, where he kind of make, does whatever he can with this uh, supporting cast. and has a couple of really good things games here and there where things kind of go his way. He plays a bad team that raises his overall production and maybe he sneaks up to being like a quarterback in the early twenties, uh, but still not a huge jump up. But I also don't see him taking a huge jump down because I think it would be a mistake and a injustice to have him be a backup level quarterback at this point in his career. Maybe he's, Maybe that'll be him like two, three years down the line. But right now, I think he's too talented to be a backup. So at his worst, I still think he'll be a high, high level backup. Uh, and then Malik Willis, I honestly don't know why he's the second string on this team at this point. I would probably put him lower. Uh, and, but to me, I think his mid-level outcome is he's like a low-level backup because that's what we saw out of him last year. And I have no reason to believe he's going to improve, uh, especially given the circumstances and the fact that he didn't really show flashes. Like with a lot of young quarterbacks that we talked about, uh, especially this past couple of episodes, we've talked about a long, lot of young quarterbacks. We had either a game or maybe a drive or something to cling on to to say, okay, this guy's got something there. And maybe he'll tap into that more and become, you know, unleash that potential. Aside from college clips, I haven't seen that with Malik Willis yet. And he's played enough games to where you should maybe be able to see that. I haven't even seen, like, I've seen maybe one play from him in that Chiefs game where he was kind of that, but really not much. So I think he's going to be a bottom-level backup. But with him being who he is, I do think he does have a large variety. Uh, if he continues to play the way he did last year, I could see him being a average third-string level player to maybe even borderline out of the league uh, if he plays like he did last year. And if he puts together, you know, all his physical tools, because obviously he's very, very athletic, very gifted, uh, I could see him maybe being a high-level backup if he really, really puts things together and maybe even charges uh, for that starting role from Tannehill. Uh, but I think things would have to go really, really his way for that to happen. 
And as far as Will Levis, uh, even though I wasn't particularly high on him in our pre-draft episode, uh, that was mainly because of where he was going in the draft. I don't necessarily think Will Levis is a terrible player. I just think he's nowhere near a first-round pick, especially in like that top 5-10 range that he was kind of getting mocked to towards the as we approach the draft. Uh, but I think Will Levis, on average, will probably be a higher level backup than Malik Willis will be, probably towards the top 10-ish backups in the league, I would say is his median level outcome, just because even though he's a project player, I still think he has all the physical tools, like the arm, a little bit of the mental game there to kind of, you know, situate himself. And I think in his high-level outcome, if he really puts together all those physical tools that people have been raving about, and if he does reach that ceiling that, like, people were mocking him to be, like, people were saying he's got the same type of ceiling as, like, Anthony Richardson and, like, mocking him in the same range as guys like Stroud and maybe even Bryce Young. So if he does reach that, I could see him maybe being a high-level backup to low-end starter and once again challenge uh, dwindling Ryan Tannehill for that starter-level role. But I also think his bottom level outcome is very similar to Malik Willis's because a lot of his downfalls are similar to Malik Willis. It's just we haven't seen Will Levis yet to judge him. But he also came from a non-necessarily major school. Uh, He is raw talent but didn't have the best stats in college, doesn't have a whole lot of experience necessarily as like a full-time starter. Those things could pitfall him a little bit and have him fall to like a lower end back up to high level third string. But I do think in general, he'll end up being better than a guy like Malik Willis. All right. Real quick question before we head out. Um, okay. I'm, I'm not going to give it away, but the number one quarterback on our list, um, if you dropped him on the Tennessee Titans, where do you think their offense finishes? Uh, I think they win the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, with okay. that being said, uh, okay, real real answer. I think if you put whoever our number one quarterback, maybe yeah, big surprise uh, there. I think I genuinely think they challenge for the division and potentially uh, snag that playoff spot from what'll pro- probably be the Jaguars. Uh, I I think they can. I think Derrick Henry is much more successful. I think he has better connections with a guy like Traylon Burks because of, well, his arm and playmaking ability. And same with Nick Westbrook, a kind. Obviously, with that guy being a lot more mobile and stuff, I see him being able to deal with this offensive line. And to be honest, I think in 2021, he dealt with maybe not as bad an offensive line. He probably hasn't ever, but... He's dealt with pretty bad offensive lines. We saw in that 2020 Super Bowl, and he's made do. So I think they'd be a above 500 team challenging for a playoff spot. Real, real, real good job of you to give away that our number one quarterback is Tom Brady. But um, with that being said, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, make sure to like, leave a rating, do what you need to do on whatever platform you're listening on. That'll be all for me. That'll be all from Potty. We'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Yeah, remember this when Tannehill falls off. Peace. Okay. Yeah,